Few things are harder than the mission of raising your kids. At The Dad Project, we get experienced dads to reveal what's worked for them, offering practical, time-tested advice. Being a successful dad is tough, and we're here to help you get it done. Welcome to The Dad Project. In this episode of The Dad Project, Steve Markle talks about the need for dads to be self-effacing leaders within their own families. Steve is a retired senior executive of a major financial services company and is based in Denver. He is the founder and CEO of Families of Character, a nonprofit focused on providing tools to families to help them grow in virtue. He and his wife have five adult children and 14 grandchildren. You can find Families of Character on the web at familiesofcharacter.com. So my background really uh, was spent most of my life in the investment business. My company eventually became the largest money manager in the United States. And I think what makes this topic so uh, apropos right now or so timely is the fact that our company did interviews with some of the biggest corporate execs in the country. And I love Jim Collins' book, Good to Great, because he really talked about the fact that the best leaders in business were level five uh, servant leaders. They were self-effacing servant leaders. And if you really think about it, if the best leaders in the world running some of the biggest businesses are self-effacing servant leaders, wouldn't it make also sense that the best leaders uh, from a standpoint of in the home are self-effacing father, servant husbands and fathers? And so that's what I want to spend some time talking about is becoming the best father, the best husband. And really, you know, having a background, we started this business now helping parents develop, you know, good habits or character strengths in kids. And what uh, the most important character strength is is service, because ultimately it leads to love. And so our whole mission as fathers is to serve ourselves by serving our spouse and our children first. I can't really be effective father serving my children first if I'm not going to serve my spouse. If I can't get that right, I'm never going to get the father part of things right. So I've really got to be a self-effacing servant husband first. And my kids have to see that that I'm actually serving their mother. And uh, I thought one of the most interesting shows uh, when I was growing up was Leave it to Beaver. And Leave it to Beaver uh, was a show, uh, and it set back humanity about 5,000 years. And the reason I say this is because if you, you've seen the TV show, and I, I, you should really Google it if you haven't seen it, and just see if you can bring up one of the old shows, because June was this beautiful young woman, young mother, just dressed to the T. When she came to the door, you know, opened the door, I mean, she had a dress on, her hair was all done really well. She was just absolutely beautiful. And then, uh, you know, Ward was the husband. And Ward, when he walked in the house, would, of course, greet June. And, you know, they exchanged an affectionate kiss. And then he got a paper and would sit down and begin to read. And the whole concept of this was his job was over, right? The kind of the subliminal message was that he worked hard during the day, right? Like what we do today, we, we just beat ourselves up today, working the best we can as, as husbands and fathers because we think that's our primary role to support our family, which is an important role, but it's not the primary role. And so uh, Ward would get the paper, he'd sit down, and, and of course his kids would come up and say something, but his job was over that, you know, and that hers really kicked in as if she wasn't already being a mom, you know, all day. And I think there was such a distortion because really the primary role of the father is to serve his wife and children. And he walks in the door, he should be alongside her, serving her, help her serve and taking the kids, maybe helping them with their schoolwork or, or whatever they need. And going to his wife, what do our kids need right now? I've been at work all day 
and help me understand what our kids need today. So anyways, this idea of self-facing servant husband, if again, Jim Collins in his book, Good to Great, is saying that's the best business leaders, then we ought to do the same thing at home because that's our primary role. And of course, then if we get that right, serving our spouse, then we're getting our children right. I think what's really interesting, I just had a situation come up uh, that puts this all into perspective. One of my friends, his wife just revealed to my wife and I that um, he's been having an affair um, with a young girl. And it's been a real shock to all of us who are very close to him as a friend. This just happened within about two months ago. I think what's interesting about this, um, it's challenging, first of all, because when I heard that, what hit me most is that he has a really strong relationship with his son. I mean, there is such a strong relationship. They're in business together. And uh, I just heard about a week ago that his son won't even refer to him as father anymore. Um, but he now calls him by his first name. And I thought, how disappointing. What a great you know, distraction. What a great tragedy to such a great family. His son got married about a year ago. They uh, had one child, so he had a grand. My friend had a grandchild, and now his wife's pregnant again. Now with her second grandchild, of course, his wife kicks him out of the house because he find you know she you know found out that he was having this affair, you know. And isn't it sad that that relationship now has been destroyed between he and his wife, and now he and his son, who had such a close, loving relationship with each other, now his son won't even refer to him as daddy. Refers to him as by his first name. But there's a disordered love for self, so much so that he took that love elsewhere, where if he would have had that proper order in really serving his wife and then realizing serving his children, even though that might have been a temptation, he would have been a, kind of been able to kind of put that off. I got to tell you the, another story I thought was really interesting that really helps relate to this kind of servant-father idea and servant leadership in, at the home. This uh, young man, this man told me he grew up in a family where, you know, he had a father that was very authoritarian. It, the, the authoritarian leadership is very, uh, you know, lead, follow, or get the heck out of the way. You know, do it as, as I tell you to do it, and that's it. There's, there's not much love in relationship there. It's very controlling. It's very directed. It's like I tell you what to do, and you do it. And that kind of relationship, typically the spouse is treated like a second-class citizen, and this uh, gentleman was telling me his father was an authoritarian leader. And uh, just as a simple example, he said that when he was expected, he and his brothers and sisters were expected to do the dishes after they were done eating. And he said initially they each had their own night to, to do the dishes, and that didn't work. So his dad, you know, made it, everyone share the responsibility of the dishes, and that's the way his brothers and sisters did this. So as he grew up, um, you know, he left the home, got married, and now he's married and his children are getting to that age where, you know, they could help out in doing some things. And so mom's kind of frustrated. She's trying to run a household. And, you know, this young man traveled and as a young father. And so he said, um, uh, he said to the kids one day, he says, you know what, you need to do the dishes, step up and you're going to start doing the dishes. And so he signed each one of them a night. He realized that wasn't working. So he said, OK, each one of these kids have this responsibility because, you know, your, your mother's working hard and, you know, I've worked hard all day. It's your responsibility to do the dishes. And so uh, he assigned each one of them a, a, a task to do as, a, you know, the, the, so each one of them, there were five of them had a task to do. But he said none of them ever got along. It took forever. They were always fighting. It was mayhem. Just it was a nightmare. Every time after dinner, it was just he never looked forward to it and his wife. There was such dysfunction. 
And he really kind of thought about this. It was so, it got to the point where it really bothered him. And so he's really trying to think about this. What's the problem? You know, kind of internally thinking about this. What's the problem? I mean, what's causing all this? And it came back to him kind of in his own mind saying, you're the problem. And he's like, what do you mean I'm the problem? You know, do you see my title on my card? Anyway, he said, this gentleman, it was an executive of a pretty large company. And he said, um, he said, you know, I'm going to try something tomorrow when uh, after dinner, I'm going to get up and I'm going to do start helping out with the dishes. I'm going to go wash because everybody hated washing the dishes. So he, uh, he said after dinner, he was the first op. He ran right over to the sink and started washing the dishes. And her daughter, his daughter that had that job, uh, it was her responsibility to do that. She came up to him and said, Dad, you know, that's my job. And he said, you know, honey, I'm going to do this from now on. You go help your brothers and sisters. Now, he never talked to any of the kids about doing this or, or what he was going to do. He just wanted to see how this would work. So his daughter went out and actually helped her other brothers and sisters do their work. He said they got done in about 15 to 20 minutes. It was really interesting. No fighting. They actually had a lot of fun. He did it again the next night. Same response. Again, the next night, same response. It really brought joy and unity to the family. And he really said, he said, Steve, I really learned servant leadership through that one thing. Here my dad taught me that I, that was my responsibility. I had to do it because, you know, by God, I'm the authority of the house and you're going to do what I tell you. And it was dysfunctional when he was growing up. But now when he's a father and he tried this with his children, it was servant leadership. He was leading by serving his children. And he said it changes their family dynamics further. What's interesting is his children are all married. And one of his uh, daughters married a gentleman who wasn't uh, his own mother, apologized to this uh, young woman, uh, the daughter, about having not raised the son very well. And the reason she said that and apologized because what he noticed is because he started doing dishes when this family would get up. All of this started like 23 years ago with his father standing up and doing dishes. And now the ripple effect of that later on in life is that they're all married. His kids are all married. And they're coming over. And he was the only one sitting down. So he started getting involved in doing the dishes. Anyways, and so he would do this now at his own parents' house, which he never did before because, you know, his parents didn't teach him to do any of this stuff. And his mother complimented this young woman the daughter on, or his daughter-in-law on uh, helping her son be a better man. And she apologized for not being a better mother because he wasn't very helpful in this part of their marriage. But it really shows how really servant leadership just not only affects immediate family, but ripples down into the rest of the family for generations. You know, I think what's interesting about our culture today, their culture pushes us to be these uh, fulfillment of self and it's a really a major negative. You know, if you think about every time I fulfill my own desires, you know, I, it's kind of like I, I, I like visual pictures because, you know, every time I fill my own appetite as a husband or father, I do what I want to do rather than what, what I should do for my spouse or my children. It's like, you know, getting a shovel and taking a, a you know, jumping on a shovel, taking a, a shovel full of dirt and throwing it out, right? And so, because uh, I want to do something. And now I, it's something else with my children and my wife comes up and instead of doing what they should, I should do as a husband or father, I do what I want to do. I jump on the shovel again, take another shovel full of dirt out and throw it out again, right? Every time I fulfill my own desires, I'm dig digging a deeper hole. It's not only deeper, it gets broader. I, I love the visual effect of this because you think in our culture today, you know, the most happiest people in our culture today 
would really be uh, athletes or movie stars or politicians, right? Because they have control. They have uh, all kinds of finances. They have money. They have prestige. They have um, opportunity. And you think they would be ultimately deep down happy, right? And we find oftentimes they're not. Why? Because they're feeding their passions and desires. When I do this as a father, husband, and feed my passions and desires, again, I can never fill that hole. In fact, it keeps getting worse and worse. It's never good enough, right? The more I get, the more I want. The more I want, the more I'm going to try and get more. And I'm never happy. I think we see that often. And, and so, But when I give of myself, actually by serving others, it's like filling in that hole with dirt. And now I begin to mount, build a mountain because I'm giving of myself out of my love, right? Uh, to others. And so I'm filling in a hole with dirt, and now I can control my passions and desires. I have to tell you another story I thought was really interesting, and because uh, I think all this ties into good character, and that's what we need to really live as fathers and husbands. We need to be the the, the leadership and good, uh, good example and good character, as to our, not only to our spouse, but also to our children in our example. Not necessarily what we say, but what we but what we do. I had two situations. Uh, one of the benefactors of our organization came to me and said, hey, Steve, would you uh, meet with um, my nephew and his wife because they have two kids, one's 11 and one's 9, and they're out of control. And uh, would you meet with them? I said, yeah, I'd be happy to. I don't know if I can help them, but I'd be glad to meet with them. I was speaking to the mom, and it was really interesting. She was telling me how much she loves her children. She said, um, you know, there's nothing I won't do for them. If one wants popcorn for dinner, I give them popcorn. If the other wants fried chicken, I give them fried chicken because I love them and I want them to know I'm not going to withhold my love from them. Anything that wants theirs. And that's at every meal, by the way. That'd be hard in a big family, wouldn't it? <laughs> you know, ten, you know, five kids or, you know, four or five kids. Yeah, nobody could do that. Anyways, with two children, it was a lot easier probably. But uh, anyways, he said the uh, son had his Xbox in his room and the, the daughter had her cell phone and the TV and... And uh, she, everything they wanted, every appetite they ever had was fulfilled and, and every desire they had, she wanted to make sure uh, that they had because it was, she wanted to let them know how much she loved them. Uh, while she was saying this, I, I said to her, you know, I interrupted her on purpose and I said, I, I can see how much you love your children because uh, I can hear it in your voice and, and your body language, but it's unfortunate you're destroying their lives. She sat straight up and said, uh, what do you mean? And I said, you know, I, I had a daughter, she was 15 at one time, she's now almost 40 years age. But I said, that girl, uh, when she was about 15, fell in love with a 17-year-old boy, and he was a um, good young man. In fact, he, he came to ask the father to date the 15-year-old daughter, and the, and the father wouldn't let him because he said, you know, ultimately, I don't care how responsible you are, you know, logic goes out the window when you fall in love. And my daughter, even though she's very responsible, you know, that logic will go out the window, and she's too young to fall in love. I said to this uh, mom, I said, hey, let me just assume that 15-year-old daughter's is yours now. She meets the jock at the school, drop-dead good-looking guy, and um, she says to uh, this guy, likes your daughter. By the way, every girl in the school wants to date this, you know, 17-year-old, good-looking, athletic guy, but he happens to like your daughter, the 15-year-old, and um, he wants to have a relationship with her, but beyond just a friendly relationship are you uh, prepared to have a baby out of wedlock? And she said, what, what do you mean? I said, well, you're feeding every passion and desire she has. Why would she say no? 
What ability are you giving her to be able to say no because you're feeding every passion and desire? And the husband, when she didn't get to respond, the husband starts pounding on the table, honey, this is why I want to discipline our children. The uncle, who is the one who asked me to come to that, set up the meeting, was stunned that he even said to the wife, you don't let your husband discipline your children. And she said, well, no, I'd be, that would be withholding love. She had a misunderstanding of love, right? And it was so unfortunate because you could see this, uh, this appetite at uh, 9 and 11 was out of control, and that's what the uncle was seeing. Can you imagine those children when they're 19 and, and now you know 21? Add 10 years onto that and how out of control that will be. Contrast that with a, uh, a mom that were doing our program on character development for children, they had four children. They have a nine-year-old daughter, and they're working on the, uh, the character strength of temperance. And temperance is about controlling yourself. So the, the nine-year-old daughter uh, says, oh, I'm only spend money on what I need this month. And so she said, the mother was telling me a story. She said they were at the store, and her daughter, like a Hobby Lobby, and she, her daughter sees something she likes at nine years' age. And she starts pestering her mom like any nine-year-old, right? Every nine-year-old should be in sales because they're relentless until they get what they want. Anyways, the, uh, the mom turned around just quietly and said, Honey, I thought you were only going to spend money on what you needed this month and um, not what you want. And the daughter, realizing she didn't need that, you know, she, the mother was saying her shoulders dropped. And she looked at this for about 10 or 15 seconds and then puts it back. And she was telling me another uh, woman in the aisle came up to her and said, How did you get your daughter to do that? There's a reason why my children are shopping with me. It'd be World War III, and I would end up buying them what they want. How did you get your daughter to put that back? And she said, oh, we're working with this program that helps develop character strengths. But contrast the two. Contrast what happens when I feed my appetite and desire versus when I control my appetite and desires, which leads to greater joy and happiness in a family. Now, where do kids get that? The reason I tell these stories is because it really all comes back to the couple, the parents, right? It's got to start with the parents, but even more so, it's got to start with the dad. The dad is kind of the true north compass. His children are going to look to him for direction. And what they're looking at most is, am I loving and serving my wife first? Am I giving of myself to her or am I feeding my appetites and desires, right? Ultimately, we're trying to raise our children to be responsible, potentially married parents themselves at some point. And we're going to model that whatever we do is probably what they're going to do. Our modeling comes from what our parents did, right? And so we want our, to model this for our, our children, is these good examples of character strengths, of giving ourselves to our spouses and children so they know how to model themselves in the future. The minute I get rid of a bad habit and replace it with a good habit, it's an act of love, which is the most important of all the character strengths, right? And one, I think there are several positive outcomes to developing character in ourselves and then in our children. First of all, it's, a, it's objective truth, right? I can, it's either, I'm, I like orderliness, I show up on time or I don't. There's no subjectivity to it. And when I start doing things like that when I should, it leads to help me build courage and confidence. And then my kids see that also, my spouse sees that. Second thing, when I replace a bad habit with a good habit, again, by, you know, serving others, it's an act of love, which leads to joy and unity in a relationship. I mean, think about what we're trying to do with our families. 
don't we want to promote courage and confidence in our families? Don't we want to promote joy and unity in our families? Isn't that what we all want? And where does it start? It starts with me as a dad. As Jim Collins says, it works in business by becoming a self-effacing servant leader as a husband and father. And the third point about character strengths is it really helps build the self-esteem because it, uh, it helps to build willpower. When I constantly say no to the things I shouldn't, by the way, there's a great book written by a psychologist. It's a New York Times bestseller called Willpower. And he said, willpower is like a reservoir. When I'm constantly doing the things I should, it gives me the ability to say no to the things I shouldn't. And again, I love the concept because he says I can exhaust the reservoir too. If I'm constantly giving in to my appetite, doing what I want, I won't have the ability to say no to the things I shouldn't. And like I said, this is a New York Times bestselling book. So when I'm giving of myself and constantly controlling my passions and desires by growing this willpower and having that reservoir, it it leads to self-esteem. It helps build self-esteem. Now, I think all of us, even as a father and husband, as a grandfather myself, courage, confidence, joy, unity, and self-esteem, I want those characteristics. I want those outcomes in my life. I want to be able to help my wife see those in me by serving her, and I want my children and grandchildren to see those in me by serving them. You know what's great? When you truly become a self-effacing servant leader, whether it be in business or in the family, you're the one who grows and benefits the most. Hey, thanks for listening to The Dad Project. If this talk was valuable to you, please go to our website at dadproject.net and make a voluntary one-time or recurring donation to help support our operations. Any amount helps. Catch you next time at The Dad Project.